0: Like the little engine that could, the Office of Special Counsel plows through an unending stream of whistleblower complaints and other cases. Last year, OSC managed to resolve more than 6,000 cases, though. Joining me in studio with a summary of last year's work, Special Counsel Henry Kerner. Henry, it's good to have you back.
1: It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So give us the top-line picture of how many cases you got in. Also tell us how many were whistleblowers versus prohibited personnel practices and what you managed to plow through.
1: Um, well, uh, let me first, first start by saying we've had a tremendous year last year. I really need to give a spe- special thank you to the dedicated and hardworking colleagues of mine at OSC who've embraced the challenge of dealing with all these cases, who are completely committed to the mission of serving whistleblowers and preserving the uh, the integrity of the merit system, and who've just done a tremendous job of also internalizing my philosophy. And my philosophy, as you remember from last year's visit, was old-style customer service. We want to make sure that we provide the best customer service to all our stakeholders, to the whistleblowers, to the people who file with us. That means we're going to give uh, give the best customer service involving accuracy, involving timeliness, and involving friendliness.
0: And that includes the whistleblowees, too, the people that are accused that sometimes
1: absolutely aren't always in the wrong, I guess. Exactly. No, and we do. We do a very fair investigation. We we do believe in due process, it's very important at OSC, and so yes, we try to give uh, the best customer service to, to all. So we've had a tremendous year uh, last year, but I really wanted to talk a little bit about um, our efficiency. So what we've done is uh, we were able to get a little bit more more money in the, in the budget, but and we've been able to hire folks because of that. But the main thing we've done is we've really done what I call a reorganization. I call it OSC 2.0, and on OSC 2.0, my second year and as special counsel, we implemented a significant agency organization to streamline our PPP case processing by combining PPP units- PPP is Prohibited Personnel Practices. Thank you. Yes, our prohibited- So we, we do two cases. We do two types of cases, really. Disclosure cases, where whistleblowers come to us and disclose wrongdoing, and we then do an examination of that and send that over to the agency- for investigation and we do PPP cases, which are prohibited personnel practices, which involve essentially violations of certain practices that usually affect the individual. And so we streamlined our PPP uh, case processing by combining units with overlapping responsibilities and creating one unit to handle all PPP complaints. And what that does is when somebody files with us now, they get one attorney, usually attorney, sometimes investigator, but pretty much usually an attorney who will handle their case from start to finish. So it's a lot more efficient than going through different units that deal with different life cycles of the case, and then sometimes getting a new lawyer six months or nine months or a year into the case.
0: So I guess that's probably easier for the people deciding the cases. If you've kind of got it cradle to grave, it's your case and you begin it and finish it.
1: Correct, and it also it really serves this customer service principle because you have the relationship with the complainant.
0: And, and this has been it. in place for about a year now.
1: Yes, we just had our one-year anniversary. It's been a big success. People have really embraced it. Obviously, change is always a little difficult, so there have been some some just issues uh, integrating the two units' cultures, but people have really embraced it. I'm very proud of how we've done, and we've gotten much more efficient. We did something that's unheard of. We have a generally carry a 2,000 case backlog from year to year. Because so of budget restra- uh, constraints and uh, just how many cases we get, we actually managed to cut that in uh, by 25 percent. We cut 500 cases of our backlog. Which
0: is There's our a job. lot of agencies that would like to have a 25 percent reduction. In their <laughs> case, it could be 200,000 cases it would be the reduction, but it's still yeah. 500 out of 2,000 is. Uh, it's, That's a real funny. metric.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really tremendous achievement and a real credit.
0: And does that mean with the reorganization that the throughput is faster?
1: Yes, it means that we're just, right, correct. We're just much faster in terms of working up the cases. We used to have internal lags, right? Somebody would look at a case. They might have other cases they have to look at. It would sit. Eventually, they'd get to it. And then they would decide that it investigates further. It merits further investigation, So they would send it to the unit that does that. Well, that unit's lawyer would have to get completely new to it. So six months, nine months into a case, they would start the case anew, essentially. Call the whistleblower. Hey, I'm the new lawyer. The whistleblower was like, I filed that in 18. What's happening? It was very inefficient. And so we got rid of all those internal lags.
0: We're speaking with special counsel, Henry Kerner, but I still want some of the numbers.
1: Sure. So in FY 2019 we received a total of 6,373 new cases. Um, our case backlog, as I said, was reduced from 2,600 in FY 2018 to 2,049 in uh, 2019. And then the new PPP complaints, because because of the shutdown, we had a little bit of a reduction, so it went down from 4,100 to 3,900. So it's still very, very close. And ultimately about the total of cases for, for FY19 was about 5,700.
0: Now, everyone has cases that stand out in your mind, and I'm sure you're not familiar with all 6,000 personally, but anything on the whistleblower side that makes you sit
1: up and say, golly. Yes, sure. Um, So as you correctly point out, I don't tend to to handle the cases at at inception, but I do, of course, get involved with the more high-profile ones. We've had some really important high-profile cases that we dealt with. Two of them dealt with the FAA. So the FAA has had some safety issues. One involved the 737 MAX. As you may know, they're grounded. They're still grounded.
0: Sure. Huge story nationally. Correct. And ongoing.
1: Correct. And then Whistleblower came to us and said that there were some pilot training issues with certifications that had gone amiss. And so we sent that over to the FAA, and we've been in negotiations with them to fix that problem. And then... Perhaps coincidentally, we had another FAA case that arose out of the Jacksonville Air Traffic Control. Yes, uh, indeed. Right. I believe you've, you may have written about that case. And they. Um, it was amazing. They, they basically have procedures there that endanger airplanes, that they might run into each other, which obviously is, is, would be a horrible tragedy. But instead of fixing the standard operating procedures, they simply aligned it with the practice. But it's not the standard operating procedure that's at fault. It's the practice. And so we, we, we didn't quite understand why they would do that. So we've pointed that out. The whistleblower came forward. We were very appreciative, obviously. Uh, we pointed it out. And something happened that's fairly unusual. I, I comment, on, the whistleblower does too, but I also find the report reasonable or unreasonable. I found both those reports unreasonable. I think they're the only two for the entire year. It's very rare for us to do that. Unreasonable meaning? The agency did not take appropriate action. To fix it, the yeah. problem, Which is very unusual because in the disclosure unit, uh, we really only have a bully pulpit. We don't actually make the fixes ourselves. We can only write letters to our President and Congress, and obviously, you can talk to the media, and we try to point out these deficiencies. Um, generally, we try to work with the agency to fix the problem. And most of the time that works out. Oddly, in these two instances, it really hasn't. So, But we're really hoping, given the importance of the safety of the flying public, that, that both the FAA will take the appropriate action.
0: Yeah, I guess there's a theme in those two cases, and this has been kind of played out in the public with the FAA and the 737 and all of this, is not that the FAA has bad procedures and practices, but that they weren't being true to themselves in the the way they were dealing with that pilot certification and with air traffic control because they did have a better self that they weren't heeding.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And as I said, they need to, they have the procedures in place. They need to follow those and not align them to the practice. If the practice is endangering flights and people all agree, this is not something that's, that's sort of a minority opinion or just honest disagreement, people agree that these practices at Jacksonville are dangerous. So they need to stop that. And I'm confident that they will take action.
0: Now, with respect to the reorganization or building on that, you said that you did get a slight budget increase from Congress for the last fiscal year. What effect did that have on vacancies? I think last year we discussed the fact that you still had openings at OSC. Yeah. So were you able to fill them and did that help some of the throughput issues?
1: Correct. So getting a little extra money has helped. Um, hires some staff with increased staff we obviously get get a chance to to address our backlog and also make sure that we have this customer service orientation. If someone files a case, we try to get to them within 48 hours to try to at least acknowledge that we have the case and then work out the relationship. So with increased staff, we're able to do that more often, which is terrific. We also comply with with statutory requirements. In our disclosure world, we have 45 days from a disclosure to, to either close or refer the case. We've complied 80% of the time with that, which is a new high so, I mean, sometimes you can for reasons that are beyond our control. The whistleblower has to provide some documentation. They're out of country, et cetera. But so we've really met a lot of those metrics due to that budget. The problem is at the moment we're in a CR world. So we don't we don't actually have a budget for this fiscal year. We're in right. a continuing resolution which has us at a lower level than we really need because things get more expensive. Uh, there are very much necessary and needed uh, pay increases. There's a lot of IT money that goes out. We, we we did a new program called ECMS, which which has streamlined filing with us. We also have a brand new website that looks, looks much better aesthetically and is also much more efficient. Yes,
0: I noticed that, by the way. It does look more aesthetic and it is more efficient.
1: Good. Thank you very much. My staff did a terrific job, and I really appreciate that. Uh, And it does. And so it also has streamlined some of the filing. But that stuff's expensive, maintaining it, getting the right certificates, etc. So we really need a budget at the higher amounts. And I'm hoping that uh, the Congress will pass that soon.
0: Now, the casework intake peaked a few years ago, right after the VA scheduling scandal. And since then, it's settled down somewhat. And you have been able to maybe, I think, close down the special VA unit. But VA is still a big part of the caseload, isn't it?
1: Yes. VA is still our number one customer. So I will say this, though. There's been a lot of attention on VA. I've actually testified earlier this year at the subcommittee in the House on VA issues. Uh, I do feel that Secretary Wilkie and his leadership, Deputy Secretary Jim Byrne, uh, we've had regular conversations, both staff-wide and also myself, I do feel that there is a greater concern now to make sure that whistleblowers are protected, that laws are followed, and that our veterans are getting the best care. So have they arrived there yet? No. I mean, we have obviously still uh, a lot of cases, but I do feel that there is an increased uh, emphasis on trying to do the right thing, and I appreciate their leadership.
0: And elsewhere across government, there have been lots of political controversies connected to the different agencies, but it doesn't seem to have really caused a spike in cases being complained to to OSC.
1: We haven't seen a particular spike. A lot of the, the things you talked about sort of occur in a kind of a uh, politicized, narrow niche area over the whole federal government. I think we've seen a pretty steadying, steady uh, flow of cases.
0: And- Talking about prohibited personnel practices, the PPPs, any trends that you've noted that uh, may have characterized the bulk of these cases?
1: We still have the majority are still retaliation for whistleblowing. So while I'm very proactive, and I think there has been a recognition that whistleblowing needs to be protected, um, it still occurs once in a while, human nature being mm-hmm. what it is. People don't like to uh, you know be, quote unquote, ratted out or have people complain about folks and they take action. So we've still seen uh, quite a bit of those cases.
0: We're speaking with special counsel Henry Kerner. And the Me Too movement kind of peaked maybe in the last year, year and a half. And those aren't the types of cases that would go directly to the office of special counsel, but they might result in whistleblower complaints or retaliation complaints because of complaining about something that is a prohibited practice, period, not a prohibited personnel practice, per se, uh, if I got this correctly. But has that whole Issue impacted OSC in any way?
1: Certainly, those kind of cases could be per, uh, prohibitive personnel practices. Generally, they go to the EOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. So we do not normally see a lot of these. I have not. I've not seen a spike. I don't. Like I said, I don't do the intake per se myself, so I don't necessarily always know. But I've not seen a whole lot of cases any more than than before.
0: And what about the uh, FEVS scores, the Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey? I guess OSC has come up in the ranks as a place to work.
1: Yes, uh, thank you for bringing that up. I'm very, very pleased about those. The Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey is is one way to gauge federal workers' happiness. Um, OSC had the second highest increase, 10 percentage points, uh, of all the, you know, in our category small of small agencies, small right? agencies correct, so out of, out of 27. We've also seen unbelievable engagement scores, and engagement really tests uh, empl- uh, how employees feel about their work. And to have the the kind of scores and increases we've seen, uh, we, we now rank fourth out of 27. Our supervisors saw a 10 percentage point increase, reaching an unprecedented engagement level of 88%. So the, the, the survey scores have been tremendous. It's a real credit to this, in, this positive work environment that we try to push via this old-style customer service orientation.
0: And just by way of relative scale, we should point out that OSC really is a tiny agency, 131 full-time equivalent employees.
1: Yes, that's correct. And, yeah. and some of them aren't even here, right? The headquarters has about 100 plus, and then we have three field offices as well.
0: And we mentioned Veterans Affairs being the single largest caseload that is on the books at the moment, seconded by the Defense Department. Yes. And anything, any trends discernible there?
1: Well, I, th- I think it's not entirely surprising that t- the two biggest agencies have the most cases. So I don't want to necessarily infer or, in our case, imply anything bad about the agencies per se, but, you know, they're going to have more cases. Um, I do think that, that it starts on the top, and so... With the culture comes comes change, and that's what we try. We try, And I've reached out proactively to leadership to try to make
0: that happen. What else do we need to know about OSC? Um,
1: well, uh, like as I said, we've had a tremendous year. OSC 2.0 has been a real big success, not without some challenges, of course, and, and, and nothing uh, goes without any kind of issues. I think there are some storm clouds on the, on the horizon, some things that I worry about. One of the things that are not necessarily quantifiable is, is with with some of the issues that you mentioned in the news, I worry about a fraying of the consensus on the importance of whistleblowers. So I wanna make sure that that continues. It's been very bipartisan. Senator Grassley, of course, is the lion of whistleblowers in the Senate, but we've had really good success with Democrats, Republicans, everyone supporting whistleblowing, whistleblowers, and I just worry a little bit with some of the stuff in the news that that could be fraying. On another note, of course, the budget's always an issue. We really do need a budget to get to make sure that we have the the efficiencies and those gains that so we don't lose that and don't get the backup back up. That would be very disappointing. And finally, there's a court case that's winding itself through the system that is challenging the constitutionality of CFPB, the consumer you know protection finance bureau. Mm-hmm. And they have a structure, at least in terms of its head, a single agency head with four-cause protection that's similar to ours. There's four agencies like that, Social Security, FHFA, CFPB, and us. And, and that's being challenged. And so to the extent that that could, could kind of bleed into a challenge to us and our structure, obviously, we're very carefully monitoring that case, too.
0: Henry Kerner, a special counsel in the Office of Special Counsel, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Appreciate it very much. Thank you.